Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of LaRouge Rugby in 2020. My name is Dan Murphy, and alongside me, as always, is the wonderful Derek Brissett. We want to thank you guys for uh, for following along with us. Uh, we went on a little bit of a hiatus just to rejuvenate, to uh, recover from what was the chaos of the World Cup, and with uh, Major League Rugby starting its 2020 season with its preseason games over this weekend and uh, last weekend, we thought we need to start getting our season into gear. So, Derek, are you excited about this season? Oh, yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, always excited, you know, the start of uh... – this is this really is like the sort of the New Year's Eve when we can actually like get back to going to Major League Rugby. The rest of it's, uh, you know, that's kind of like it's kind of the nice thing about uh, you know having the season start this early is like when the calendar actually turns over, you can like kind of click on that uh, you know twenty twenty seasons about to, uh, about to start. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to be back. You know, it's uh, it's always always good to have good to have a little bit of a Christmas and holiday break there and. Uh, you know, happy to say that my 2020 is off to a much better start than the Saracens. Um, so if that's that's the benchmark that I decided to lay down, just be, you know, have a better year than the Saracens. So I feel like I'm surpassing it right now. It used to be hard because they're like won everything and they're yeah. champions. And but now it's the benchmark seems to be a little bit easier to surpass. You know what? We could go down that, that rabbit hole for sure because. I see. I've seen a lot of uh, worried Leinster fans when they saw that uh, quarterfinal matchup. But it'll oh, be interesting yeah. to see I what that team. I feel like that would be like. Out. I feel like that'd be the ultimate Saracens move for right now, though. To just like, like they've been kind of like not so much. Like there's yeah. been no like apology or anything. I think like that'd be the ultimate move to just not move anybody and just go and win like the Champions Cup, just yeah. to spite everybody, and then go down to the championship. Yeah. Just, yeah, and just, you know what? Which they can, which, which they technically can do. Yeah, and even with Billy Venapola with his broken arm, they're they're still yeah, a scary, a scary team. One, yeah. But even at that, man, it's like I think I think sometimes you know sports sports need villains sometimes. <laughs> you know, you always you always you need that bad guy to make the story more interesting. I mean, right now, like looking at the uh, the way the 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 Champions Cup uh the knockout stage bracket kind of looks right now. How fun would an Exeter Saracens final be? Well I just, love watching just for uh... sheer entertainment. But like entertainment in the build up. That'd be like a that'd be like a UFC or like a boxing match in the build up. Just be like just trading bar verbal jabs at each other for yeah. like a week or two weeks or however long the gap that they have to wait. That'd be outstanding. Just for the pure entertainment, I hope that we get a Saracens Exeter final because I'm a big Stuart Hogg fan, so so I would love that. Big Stuart Hogg fan on this this side of the 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 podcast, so I would love to see him make it there. I I liked him more when he was with Glasgow, but uh, love love watching him play. So that would be a lot of fun. So we're gonna do a little bit of a different format than what we previously used to have in 2019. Uh, I, I we went to Reddit and we went to Twitter and asked uh, what questions people had coming into the new year, new decade, new World Cup cycle. Uh, so we're going to kind of go into those questions first, and then we're going to do something uh, similar to a, a season preview. We're going to look at all the Canadian players that are on MLR rosters, and then we are going to kind of talk about them quickly on some, a little longer on others about what we think that their season can turn out to be 
and what their impact is going to have on the national program moving forward. Um, but the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, some preseason rugby. And the game that we're going to talk about for a little bit is the Arrows had a game. They, they, they were, they're, in, they're in Vegas enjoying. And it's funny, when I always think of Vegas, I think of green grass and palm trees. And, you know, I'm seeing these training pictures of guys wearing hoodies and stuff. So uh-huh. I've never been to Nevada, so I don't know what the climate's like. But uh, the Arrows came in hot and they won 33 to 5. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't a streamed game. But Derek, you were able to get bits and pieces uh, about this game. So how did you feel about this game? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, it wasn't streamed, so um, I haven't had a chance to see it. Uh, not a whole lot of people have, unless you were there. Um, here, basically, what we do know, we know who the try scorers were. So the arrows, uh, arrows got tries from uh, Diana uh, Moore had two, Jones had a try, and Ing had a try. Um, and then you know the conversions were added by uh, Dutois, Adams, Kelly had two. Um, one conversion was missed, but I don't actually know who missed that. If you're trying to keep track of kicking percentage statistics here um so that's who scored um through it um apparently as the game kind of went on it was pretty clear that the arrow scrum was absolutely dominant over utah um apparently that's going to be that is looking to be a major catalyst for uh, uh the arrow success this season um if uh, if anybody's unaware too, the uh, there was four teams that actually went to Vegas for this uh, like mini camp. So the official preseason game was between Toronto and Utah, but they did play a controlled scrimmage against Colorado um, a few days earlier. I think on either the Wednesday or the Thursday. Um, so and apparently that game or that controlled scrimmage kind of went much of the same way. Uh, with Toronto basically uh, completely dominating the set piece. Um, so that's kind of looking like it'll be a big uh, big foundation of the Arrows' attack um, and defense kind of going forward. Um, so it'll, you know, that's kind of what we're based on, based on going off of. If you do also kind of look at the timing of a lot of these tries and the Arrows' points is they kind of really seem to pull away in the second half. Um, their uh, strength and conditioning coaches for the arrows and stuff have been really, as well as the uh, you know the Chris Silverthorne, Mark Winokur and stuff, they've been really kind of hammering down the importance of uh, high fitness. Um, so it's definitely kind of looking like the fitness training and everything has been paying off um, a lot. So I think uh, I think kind of the game plan is you know have a strong set piece that it can uh, be a good foundation for your attack, and then have an elite fitness level um, so that uh, you know it'll be tough to. Uh, tough to hang with the arrows late in the year. Um, the team was kind of, you know, especially early in the season, the team was kind of upset that they let a couple games slip away, uh, slip through their fingers uh, with, you know, either uh, tries on the last play of the game or within under five minutes. Um, so uh, I think it looks to be something that they're uh, trying to get rid of. So apparently, so I would be looking for, uh, you know, going, going into the season, we'll see uh, how it stacks up and uh, you know, if the arrows can start, uh, you know, burying teams and pulling away late in the game too. And I think that that's going to be a very interesting point about the the, the fitness part of it is uh, part of Arrow's struggles, especially at the beginning of the year when they weren't full force, was mm-hmm. the consistency in terms of of their play. Is you know they would go through spurts of you know brain fart rugby, and that would that would cause problems. I mean, the one game I can think of is, is the San Diego away game where San Diego dominated them for for a good portion of the start of the game, and it took some 
uh, Oedemon Empire power to to uh-huh. steer them towards a win. Yeah, but um, that's that's kind of what the fitness is. Like, I think more of the games that they're they're kind of like if you honor games like New York, uh, where they lost New oh, York, the yes. first home game against Nola, where it's like they yeah. lost on literally a try on the last play of the game. Yeah, good. I point. think that's kind of where they're. I mean, obviously, you want to correct slow starts, and you don't want to be doing that. You don't want to dig yourself a hole either. But I think you know if I think if you're able to come on and finish games, also like, uh, you know, we could we can really dive into a discussion on this this arrows roster. I wrote the uh, I wrote a article for Lynn Sports, kind of projecting what I think the uh, starting fifteen and the whole match day twenty three is going to be come Austin, uh, come you know February 9th versus Austin. And uh, you know, it's honestly it was a uh, it was difficult to write at times because there's some intense intense competition um, for certain positions. You know, uh, looking at the other MLR rosters, there's not a whole lot of teams that can have fully capped players coming off the bench. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's a luxury that the Arrows have. So you can put the good fit, you know, put a high fitness level in, um, you know, and combine that with genuinely elite players um, that can come off the bench. Um, then, you know, t- teams, teams, teams will probably be in trouble late in the game. And that's the the depth, right? And you know, this yeah. season's going to be long. And you know, we saw it near in the last game. You know, we had a couple of big injuries, especially you know with some hard hitting from Seattle, and and our depth was tested. Um, but you know, what? we're going to look at. We're going to move on. Uh, you know, the rest of the games, uh, the Free Jacks beat a barbarian style New England team, the Independents. That's a cool uh, name. I like it. Whoever named it, that's a cool name. That should have been what the Free Jacks were called. That's that's a cool name. Also, I've decided, um, I don't think we've had an in-depth conversation about the kits this year because it kind of came out during our hiatus. Um, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the kits because I don't think there's a lot of creativity in terms of color. I think that, uh, especially in the East, especially in the East, the Free Jacks, Old Glory, and, and ATL are all black navy red white like yeah. they're all the same so i've decided that the there's, free jacks there's a lot of are... blue there's a lot of black in uh, yeah. major league rugby and like eight and oh yeah then then you throw you know uh, utah in there and it's just it, it frustrates me and i think atl is the biggest killer there because they could have chosen so many awesome colors you know like if you look eight. at the atlanta hawks kit uh, jerseys which are awesome you know red and yellow and gold and you know that could have been such a cool color palette to have uh that's not used i think it's the thing though is i think uh considering there's a lot of like there's a lot of black and red teams in mlr i think i think rugby atl's got uh probably got the better black and red kit so like it's yeah. it's solid it's clean the map of atlanta like on the chest that's is an cool. awesome addition to it the jersey's cool i kind of get what you're saying but the variation of color yeah um but I don't like. I don't think it means that. I don't really think, like, especially for Atlanta. I actually really like Atlanta's jersey. It's just, uh, yeah. Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of black. There's a lot of blue uh, teams in Major League Rugby, and then there's Houston, which has a glorious bright yellow uh, kit. And I think they should saying, wear like, that. Uh, like, I think rugby ATL. The black one looks good though, too. Rugby ATL could do a super awesome red and yellow kit, and it would have been amazing. But what my original point, and I feel like. One day we'll have to do a like a next top model style just breakdown of all the kits. I did but, that. It's on. It's on Lehman Sports. Go read it. Yeah, but I wasn't there, and I have different opinions than you. Uh, 
Uh, but I think that the Free Jacks have the best kits uh, in terms the of those. That, the, those free Jacks, the Free Jacks home jersey with the collar is, is, is amazing. amazing. But I the saw away this, jersey, the away kit's not not very no, good. No, I love it because I, I saw it. I saw some of the pictures from their game and the, the little, like if you look at their shoulders, it's got the little their little logos. It almost looks like an American flag. I really like it. I think it's pretty sharp. Well, you know what? We're going to... We're not going to get caught in this. This is, this is a big tangent. You didn't even finish going through all the scores. You just no, I know. Off. I got stuck. This rant. This rant about not liking the colors black and blue or something. <laughs> the Legion uh, had two exhibition games, uh, winning them both pretty easily. Old Glory just decimating the the Navy, the, the Navy College uh, men's team, ninety to twenty one. Uh, Colorado Rugby ATL, after ATL won their first game uh, last weekend against NOLA, uh, lost a close one to Colorado. And then the, the only game that really we could watch, um, the Tasman-Houston game, uh, the Tasman kind of just showed that their, their fitness level uh, was better and they kind of pulled away from this in the second half. Mm. You know, there's been a lot of breakdowns about that game that uh, the, the line speed on the defense from Tasman was impressive. Um, yeah. Was there anything you saw other than your angry anger towards Scott Green? <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, it's yeah. I'm open. Like, I mean, we uh, we can we can talk about refs later. Uh, no, I like I like. I thought sometimes though. I thought, uh, like you said, Tasman's line speed was very impressive. Um, I think too, though. At times, they I think they kind of caught Houston's backs a little flat footed at times too. And maybe that's because part of it was the line speed, um, you know, kind of forcing them to be a little bit more flat-footed. Um, but it looked like Houston kind of had a really hard time coping with that. Um, anyways, um, you know, uh, there was there's a couple tries that Tasman scored that were just kind of like, yeah, like you kind of like look at Houston and be like, maybe you shouldn't have tried to offload that. Um, but um, I, I mean, it's it's an ex for Houston. It's an exhibition game against a, a really high quality opponent. Um, t- and, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a good, it's kind of, I think it's a good kind of, it's interesting. I think this game is super interesting just to kind of see where, you know, a non-playoff team could kind of stack up against, uh, a Mitre 10 cup team, even though this is, what well, what did Tasman bring? Like their third, third best roster that they could probably put out. Um, so it's interesting to see how that stack up. I am be really interested to see how Taz, what Tasman looks like against, uh, Seattle next week yeah. or, um, so that'll be an interesting one. I think it'd be uh, like it's great. It, I think it's great to see that um, you know, s- you know, like uh, countries like New Zealand are showing interest in coming over here, um, and you know, playing exhibition games against MLR teams. Um, even if you know the the, the big boys on uh, Tasman weren't actually part of this roster, um, but uh, it's it's nice to see. And it's like I hope uh, I hope the guys on Tasman are having a good time doing it. And I hope that you know like they'll be. Uh, you know, they'll be keen to come back or, you know, have other minor 10 cup teams uh, come back and do this. Um, the big, big plus two is uh, I like we could actually watch it, uh, which is a big plus. I think uh, be nice to see, you know, going into next year, if we can get a few more of these preseason games actually available, um, for sure. being streamed and stuff, um, you know, just because well, we're not uh, asking for much. We're not asking for a fully broadcast game like this was, although it was fantastically done, even if it's just yeah. a camera and it's just kind of, yeah. it's preseason. We don't care, but we would like to be able to watch we, it. Yeah. You want to watch it. Like you said, it's like, we could do a full, like, 
you know, like I think like especially like a team like Toronto right now, there's a lot of interesting positional battles and stuff. And I think it's mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things I think it would be it would be interesting to see. Um so I like I mean, you know, if if it couldn't be done, if it couldn't be done for any of these games this year, then you know, then it is what it is. But I think uh, you know, hopefully as the league grows, we can, you know, we can develop to a point where, you know, uh these games can be can be streamed or broadcast or anything. But uh, you know, it's one of those things, it's a new league and uh you know, it, it would be nice, but if it couldn't happen, it couldn't happen. And uh, you know, hopefully going forward, uh we'll we'll be able to do it. And that's that's it for the preseason. So we're going to jump right into our questions from from Reddit and Twitter. Uh, one of the questions we did have, and it kind of pertains to what uh, Derek just talked about, with the future of the the the, the league, um, with only one Canadian MLR team for this foreseeable future, should there be concerns that the gap to the U.S. men's team could widen? Now no. I have an opinion about this, and I'm I, and my opinion is not at this current moment. Yeah, I would honestly like my uh, when I first read. The, I mean, it's a good question. It's definitely a, definitely a fair question to be asked. Um, I I just I don't think it is. I think you know what? Like honestly, like no matter no no matter what happens with Major League Rugby, obviously we know L.A. and Dallas are showing up next year. Potentially, there's you know a few other cities or ownership groups or whatever it is that's creating some rumors about two more teams um, possibly coming. If like, so it's like you know if if you had another Canadian team to that mix, it's still two Canadian teams versus uh, like fourteen American teams. Yeah. Like the the ratio is still very skewed there. Um, so I don't I don't think I don't think it'll be a concern. Obviously, you know a part of Part of the the success of the Canadian national team and the USA Eagles comes down to their individual programs as well. Like their coaching, um, our coaching, um, the strategies, the way we want to play rugby, the way that that's employed. Um, But I don't think from an actual like skill standpoint or anything, um, having more or less MLR teams um, really creates. I think the one thing that we have to do is we have to realize that there's nothing preventing Canadians from playing for the American MLR teams. Uh, and I think, you know, we have to, you know, do a, like if we can, if Canadian players through things like Pacific pride, um, like you said, like Josh Thiel, you know, he played for Pacific pride, kind of able to use that to get a contract with San Diego. Um, if we can keep like that sort of player stream coming through. So there's a lot of players in this league that Canadian players in the league that aren't playing for the arrows. Um, so like, I think if we can, just keep adding to the amount of Canadian players across MLR as a whole, then like, then we'll be fine. Um, no matter, no matter what, there'll never be more Canadian or equal Canadian to American teams. So um, I don't think one team can make, will make as much of a difference, but I think we got to do like, we got to do our best to, you know, be, um, be able to get Canadian players across the MLR um, for all the teams. And I think one of the things that, people need to realize is that the big impact MLR is going to have is a long-term game. It's going to be that their academies that they set up, it's going to be uh, the opportunities that those academies have to develop players and give them a chance to play somewhere. And that is where if, you know, we continue with just one team in Canada, Canada will struggle because one of the problems rugby in Canada has had is 
guys get up to a level of under 20, might get a couple caps with the national team, and then they have nowhere to go if they're not good enough to make a league over in Europe. So that's that's why what we need for in the meantime is for Rugby Canada to push you know, the, the Pacific Pride program to keep guys going down in the States to play because you know they're not they're, yeah. they are moving like they are uh you know they're 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 going to keep playing in canada and they don't count against the you know international cap yeah i, I like you said it's like i think i think if you can just like there's a couple things that i kind of like was kind of looking at too and it's like robbie povey and jake and uh josh Steele, who both have uh been signed to to american teams it's like if you type in their name on youtube there's highlight reels for them. And it's like, and you can tell that they were made by them. Right. So it's yeah. like, I think if you like in this day and age and stuff, like if you're a good player, like in a professional, in a profession, if you're a good player and you have the skills to play professionally, somebody's going to find you. Someone's going to want you. Um, you know, and I, I don't think, I don't, and I mean, I love what the arrows are doing for helping Canadian rugby provided you know, providing a little bit of a focus on the Canadian game, providing player Canadian players a chance to play professionally within their country um, for the first time. Um, but I don't think that necessarily means that Canadian players should necessarily feel that they're limited to just the arrows. Um, yeah. You know, we look at the expansion right now um, with uh, Atlanta, D.C., and New England and whatever, and they all have Canadian players on that roster. So I'm kind of hoping that next year too, you know, when LA and Dallas come in, it's like hopefully they pick up more Canadians because like more teams also means that there's more roster spots. And yeah. for the American teams and stuff, one of those places that you can grab players from is hopefully coach those coaches start looking north to uh, uh, to acquire that talent. You know, and some of our fan questions were about individual players and you know where where's this person, where's that person. You know, one of the guys. Mm-hmm. That was asked about was like Luke Campbell. Yeah, you know, Luke Luke Campbell played very well for 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 the Arrows, but didn't get a contract from them. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it's hard to believe that. Mainly because they replaced with him. They replaced two, him with someone two higher quality back yeah. players. But my my point is, is you're telling me that no one else in MLR wanted to offer him a contract, so. Our point is, is that they need to want this. You know, we we can't even if we put a team out in Calgary or or Vancouver or if one goes in Halifax, there's not a guarantee that these guys don't want to play there. Yeah. So that's something yeah. else we have to take in consideration too. But yeah, I think I I just think like as as the league grows, like I mean, obviously you look at some some of the te- the rosters of these of all the teams, and it's like there there's some rosters uh, that are really heavy on just local guys. And stuff, right? So it's like, hopefully, you know, as as we go forward, it's like, you know, as the league gets more resources and stuff, you can cast a wider net um, for who you're actually looking at to acquire on right. your roster too, um, whether that's internationally or you know, hopefully Canada as well. Um, I think, I mean, like, I think American teams, like, you should look to it. Like, Canadian players don't count against your foreign player cap. Um, so, like, there's there's a lot of guys up here that can play in major league rugby and you know if you know that's you know if you if you need help at a certain position it's definitely like it it should be an option um i don't think i just i don't the one thing that i don't want like canadian fans and stuff is i don't want to get us like locked into we need a second team i want canada to be able to just like thrive at rugby regardless so it's 
you know, because it's like we don't know if a second team is going to happen in like, you know, in two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Um, so, you know, we, get, we you know, there's a World Cup in four years. Um, maybe no Canadian team by that point. We got to make do with the fact that we only have one Canadian team. Yeah. And, you know, like there's there's 17 uh, guys not playing for the Arrows right now. I want to see that number go up year after year a lot more than I want to, you know, than I want to just keep hoping for a hypothetical Canadian team. Or, and, you know, and hopefully if that number of Canadian players goes up, you know, the talent across Canada also goes up. Things like the Arrows having an academy team is going to make the caliber of players go up. Pacific Pride is already working. There's already Pacific yeah. Pride players in the MLR and not just playing for the Arrows as well. Um, so, like, if we keep going on that, not having as many professional or MLR teams as the United States should not be a big deal at all. And I mean, Pacific Pride is, is is a good example, especially with, you know, we all know that how much talent is in BC. You know, it, it, this LA team is going to pull Americans, Canadians from the West Coast. Yeah, like Dallas. If, is, you're, if they're smart, that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're it's, going to so they're going to make that pull. So I, I that's a great point, Derek, that you made. Sorry, a little bit earlier about how we can't just wish this into existence. We got to. You know, we we barely got in by the skin of our teeth. We need to start planning now. And you know, up for twenty five years of professional rugby, we haven't had any pro team. So what's any different than just having one? You yeah, know, no, like, the, the expectation is our Canadian players are probably going to have to play somewhere else. Yeah, That's just, just how it works right now. I mean, look at look at how where South Africa just won the World Cup. And how many of them are not playing in South Africa? Yeah, no, it's you need we need guys just playing pro, and it's we just, they just no, need to play the Canadian the Canadian team's awesome. I wish, like, honestly, I'm not trying to say like I don't want another Canadian team or anything because I think that'd be fun. Uh, like, it would just it'd be not. I, I'm a fan of having a second Canadian team. It's just for right now we don't have that. So I don't think I don't think it's a good idea to just dwell on the fact that we don't have a Canadian team and like let's start putting in place like you know, building connections, um, you know, building connections, you know, doing things like, you know, like I said, Josh, Josh Steele and, uh, or sorry, not Josh, uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, Josh Steele and his, uh, I'm getting him and his brother mixed up in my head right now, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, he's got a highlight reel on uh, on YouTube, Robbie Povey's got a highlight reel on YouTube, I was to say, like, even like, uh, you know, coming from Australia, Richie uh, Asiata for the Arrows, he has a highlight reel on YouTube, too. And it's like you can tell, like, it's like these players are kind of you can tell by, like, the way, like, it's posted and stuff, too. It's like these players, either they did it themselves or they had somebody that they knew that had, like, you know, the talent in video editing. Um, But it's like they're, you know, they're kind of taking it into their own hands to, like, create, you know, create tape to help get themselves out there, too. Right. So it's like, you know, and I think. I think players can start doing that too, help them get noticed um, by, you know, teams everywhere, right? Like, you know, if you think you're good enough to play major league rugby, make a tape, fire off the link to every coach in the league, uh, see what happens. Right. Uh, you know, this worst thing, the worst thing that happens is they say no. Um, right. So, uh, you know, it's like, if you're good enough, it's like people will find you. Um, and then, you know, like it's, it goes both like, like there's elite Canadian players, guys like Eric Howard, um, Kyle Bailey, Sears Duru, um, you know, that they're all, all playing south of the border. So it's not, 
you know, I just don't like if you're a Canadian player, don't feel locked into either having yes. to play with arrows. Yeah. Um, which I mean, if the arrows want you, great, definitely go play, like, go play for the arrows and stuff, right? Be in Canada, it's awesome. They're working together with Rugby Canada. You know, that'll really help the development. But you know, the arrows only have so many roster spots too, right? They can't they can't just put every Canadian rugby player that's good enough to play professionally on their yeah. roster. So you gotta like if you if you gotta go somewhere else, then their business is like, winning. No shame in going some. No, like you shouldn't feel bad about going yeah. south of their, the board. Their business priority number one is winning that shield, and that that's just the bare bones of it. You know, we're gonna move on because uh, I think that that we've made some good points there. Um, so our next question is something that will kind of be answered while we're looking at our preview. But I thought we we get in into the, the mind of everyone and. Is our type five getting any better? Does does this hour refer to the arrows or Canada? I'm assuming it, it's it's rugby Canada because the arrows had one of the best type five in MLR. So well, I'm going yeah. to assume it's Canada. And, and, and we just talked about how their scrum like destroyed two teams yeah. this week. Too. Um, yeah, I think yeah, it's getting better. Um, it's going it's going to be getting better. I think part of that is. You know, like like we just kind of touched on, it's like you gotta like, it's not so much about like play, like the individual players right now or who like Canada can select, but it's like kind of like looking towards the future and things. I like I'm honest, like looking at the Arrows roster right now. We got like Tyler Rowland coming up. He's uh, you know, he's he's gonna be a tight head prop that just turned pro at 20, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm not sure, I I'm not sure when the last time a Canadian did that was, um. You know, so it's like that's kind of the pathway that I think we have to kind of be establishing now is, you know, I think the key thing that the arrows are kind of doing, um, you know, is it's like there's there's ways to become professional in Canada that we haven't had before. So we're definitely going to start seeing props, locks, hookers that can come up through the Arrows Academy Pacific Pride, go to the arrows, go to another major league rugby team. And if like, but you can actually, you see that pathway to becoming a professional athlete or a professional rugby player now. And I think that's the key thing. And over time, it's like, yeah, like guys like, you know, Stephen Ng turning pro at a young age. Um, so that'll be good. Quatrin's only, how old's Quatrin? Like 22, 23. Um, so like, you know, that's a super young player. That's going to be a big factor in our tight five for a long time. Um, we have, you know, there's, there's, Locks, Connor Keys is in MLR as well. Larson's in MLR. Um, we have a bunch of Canadian Type Five players that are, you know, being put into a professional system now year round. Um, so yeah, I think ultimately for those reasons, because we're gonna have, we now have, we have in Canada, we have tools to develop players that we never had before. And realistically, this needing the repechage to qualify, this this is probably needing the repechage to qualify for the World Cup. Um, you know, our struggles at the World Cup and internationally last year. It's like this probably is probably going to be the worst that Canada's going to get. And then it's only going to go up because now we have the resources to make that go up. And again, we'll talk about some of these guys as we get into the player previews. Um, but and one thing we're going to mention is age. Um, yeah. Some, some of their, our type five are in the prime of their career. And then a good few few of these guys are just starting. So think about that when we're talking about these guys. Uh, and hopefully that'll answer the question. Uh, we are, the program, especially after the World Cup, is definitely in a time of transition. And our depth was really shown at the World Cup when we had injuries. You know, Kyle Bailey was a major blow. And, you know, 
and then and then we had uh, Mike Shepard get hurt. So lots of of pieces that that uh, kind of showed our depth. So I think that's what we're going to start seeing is we'll start seeing um, the depth develop a little bit more because that way we're not just we're not just picking up the young guys that uh, you know we're just playing university rugby and a, and a few test caps. You know these these younger guys are going to have MLR to back up on, which will definitely help them in the future. Um, but again, we'll talk about those guys in a little bit. Uh, the next question actually has a little bit to do with that. Um, who are some young Canadians that we should be watching in MLR? Yeah, man. Uh, my, uh, my, my default, I'm going back Tyler Rowland. Um, it's, I think as far as, uh, young Canadian players, um, I think, you know, there's like, it's, it's going to be him. He's like I said, he's 20 years old, just turned professional. I think, uh, you know, if you kind of look at the, uh, the way it's actually kind of set up here, um, he's got, you know, with the Toronto arrows front and row and on the tight head side, it's Cole Keith, Tyler Rowland, Mike Smith, and, you know, Richie, uh, Asieda can kind of go across the front row. Um, but he primarily uh at least in australia primarily played loose head a little bit of hooker didn't play tight head as much although um from what i'm told he can do it um but he definitely leans more loose head side um so you know tyler rowland and cole keith um cole keith is uh 22 he'll turn 23 before the season's over and uh <laughs> rowland is just 20 years old so we got some super young uh super young loose or uh, tight head props um that uh you know, the arrows have, and it'll be interesting to, it'll be interesting to see, you know, like early on in the season, who looks kind of, who looks better. Um, I think Keith, Keith is going to be getting the start, uh, or like he's should have the, the starting, the third number three Jersey to begin the year. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, like we've talked about, it's like a lot of the, uh, the arrows too is going to be, you know, put, they want to be able to put teams away, um, in you know, in the last 20 minutes. And that'll be a time where, probably Rowland's on the pitch. So he'll get some very important minutes. Um, and, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he does with it. I think as far as, you know, he's played for Pacific pride, he's played for the U 20 trophy. Um, so, you know, it's, I think, you know, we can turn him, turning him pro early, you know, 20 years old. Um, he's going to get a shot to play major league rugby. So uh, I think for me, as far as a young Canadian to watch, uh, it's definitely him. I, I, one guy I want I want to look at, and I'm going to be interested to see how much playing time he gets, um, especially since their options at ten are pretty slim. Uh, with the loss of Josh Reeves, is uh, Robbie Povey. Uh, he's 23 years old, so not not as young as uh, Rowland, but uh, you know he's been uh, overseas for a good few years, uh, playing in England's National One program. Uh, he is an interesting character because he he can play fly, fly half and fullback, but I want to see him as a fly half with uh, Utah. I want to see him play because he's played the U20s, he's played the senior age sides, he's, he's got his test of view against Chile, and he was part of that uh, training group when the repechage uh, was going on. So yeah, he's got four caps to this point. He's got four caps. I'm interested to see what what he can do because if he has a strong if he if he strings together some strong MLR seasons and you know throw in some ARC other test matches, um, it's a chance to kind of run away and and take that ten jersey because uh, 
really our options are kind of slim. Peter Nelson went back to Ireland to play. Um, and Shane O'Leary, I guess still his overseas. still playing overseas, but you know, how much is he really going to get playing time in, in Canada? He's 26 years old. You know, he's definitely going to be part of their plans for the next few years. But so I'm interested to see what he can develop into. I think MLR will do wonders for him. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he can accomplish. Yeah, I think uh, Povey, Povey, yeah, Povey should be good. I mean, 23 years old, like you said, it's like Canada, where you know a little, little thin on the fly half position, um, to a degree. But uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting. I mean, the uh, the other uh, Utah fly half is uh, Hagen Schultz, um, or that Germ. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, plays uh, plays for Germany. He played against Canada at the Repechage tournament. Um, you know, uh, from South Africa originally. Um, but uh, you know, so. You know, I don't. I don't know if it's uh, it's locked locked in who Utah's gonna have for the start. Uh, like I said, unfortunately, I don't know what Utah's lineup actually was for that preseason game that they played against the Arrows. Um, so I don't really know how much uh, Povey or uh, Schultz played. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I think, uh, like, I mean, like I said I think that's one of the the benefits to. Uh, like I said like what we were talking about earlier. This is one of the benefits to uh, to you know. Ha- still having all the American teams. It's like, you know, uh, the Toronto Arrows are pretty deep at fly half. So, I mean, it's a tough roster to crack, but you can go, you know, find a team like Utah that's, you know, in need of somebody that that has your skill set. And, you know, you can go and uh, get a pro contract out of it, right? So we're kind of going to blow through these next couple questions just because of the fact that... Um, they're pretty simple questions, some of them uh, more than others. Uh, first one is, <laughs> and I thought it was a funny question because, uh, you know, he this this guy's for some reason been polarizing for some people, but is Jamie McKenzie a good rugby player? That's a very open-ended question. <laughs> yeah, Here, I mean... I mean, like to literally answer this question, yes, he's a professional rugby player. He's he's pretty good at it. Um, that's how you become a professional rugby player. Uh, wh- like, what are we going for here? Is like, is he good? Like, compared to something as a standard? Yeah. Um, cause, uh, like, I, I mean, I, for... I think maybe, I think maybe what they're they're thinking is, is he good enough to keep playing, or you know, is he good good enough to be the starting nine for Canada? Because really. In terms of what he can accomplish, that would be his. That's the the highest yeah. level. Yeah, I mean, I I have no issues with the way Jamie McKenzie plays rugby. I think um, I think looking at the uh, the Toronto Arrows, I think Andrew Ferguson is nine, and McKenzie would be coming off the bench. Um, to be honest, I you know, looking at the Canada World Cup roster, I still I thought Ferguson should have been there. They played that. Uh, they did that little scrimmage with Arrows players and Canada players, kind of intermixed on the same team. It's kind of like a like an inner squad game, but the Arrows and Canada were mixed when they came over to play Leinster. And uh, I thought Fer- Ferguson might have been the best scrum half on the pitch in that game. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, he ultimately wasn't chosen um, for that team. So, uh, but I still think I think Ferg- Ferguson's the nine. I think, but at the same time, I think you know if you're looking at you know a guy to come off the bench. Uh, Jamie McKenzie is an unreal option to have, you know, not too many, like I said, there's not too many teams in major league rugby that have the luxury of having capped players coming off the bench. 
Um, so, I mean, like, you know, if you can have somebody with his, like, you know, his veteran experience coming in to close out games, it's a, it's a good option to have. Um, so, I mean, he's, there's, there's probably a lot of teams in major league rugby that'd be happy to have him, um, you know, as, as their, uh, you know, the reserve, uh, scrum half, um, you know, so, I mean, I think, you know, is, is he past his prime probably? Um, but you know, he's definitely, especially for, for the arrows, he's def- definitely going to be a serviceable player. And, uh, yeah, he's, you know, to ultimately answer this question, yes, he's, he's good at rugby. And I think the hard thing is, is what hurts people is that a lot of people felt the same way as you, Derek, that Andrew Ferguson should have been picked for the world cup. So that will always be something that people compare the two. Um, yeah, and might've you know. just been, just been familiarity because, you know, Ferguson suffered that injury before their epishage. Yeah. So Jamie yeah, was I mean, sent. Fer- Ferguson was the ninth basically all of last year too. So, um, yeah. for the arrows. So, I mean, I, I expect that to stay the same. Um, yeah, like I mean, I don't know. Like Jamie McKenzie's definitely not a bad rugby player, if that's no. what this person's trying to get at here. Yeah. Um, but uh, For, I, you know, Jamie, Jamie's been to three World Cups. Yeah. You know, he's been, you know, part of Canada's program for a period of time. You know, he's 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 first and, captain twenty ten. Yeah. And he know? and he definitely indeed probably you know I think he probably had a period of time where he was the best scrum half we had. So, yeah. you know, um, it's just. You know, times times change as you kind of go along. It doesn't make him a bad player. It's just, yeah. you know, sometimes as your your career moves on, you just got to adapt to a change in role. And you know, so I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, he's a he's a good player. He's going to be, you know, Ferguson McKenzie as your scrum half, uh, as your two scrum halves for um, match days. Uh, yeah, no, you're looking pretty good at that position. Next question is, what do you expect from Sean Windsor and Mitch Richardson? Are they future Canada senior cap players, or is MLR their season? Now, again, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be looking at all of the, the Arrows players uh, next week when we do our, our preview for the Arrows because, you know, we've got a lot to say about them. But I felt like these are two guys kind of fringe. Uh, you know, Sean uh, played a lot of rugby when the ARC was going on, mm-hmm. um, and Mitch was kind of introduced a little later in the season, but, but he was with them for, for most of it. Derek, what, what's your feeling about these guys? Where, what is their their ceiling? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Sh- Sean Windsor, um, what his ceiling is, uh, you know, he's he's 33 years old. Um, so, you know, I don't, you know, there's obviously a lot of Canadian players that have made uh, their senior, uh, you know, debut, got their debut caps, um, at, like over the age of 30. Um, you know, um, so I wouldn't rule out. That, like you can't necessarily rule that out just because he's 33 years old, um, but I think I don't I don't think when Windsor will necessarily get to that point where he's a, you know a Canadian option. I do think though I'm actually a big fan of Sean Windsor. I actually uh, really like what he did for the Arrows last year. Um, I I I don't want to say he's the most underrated player in MLR because I don't feel like that's the proper thing to say. But I feel I feel like he's probably one of the more underappreciated players. Um, I think, you know, I think even like looking back at the, uh, the arrow season last year, you know, he, uh, you know, he kind of beat out Jack Evans for the, uh, starting fullback job early in the season with Theo Souter, Gaston Mirez, um, were away at the ARC, Patrick Parfrey hadn't arrived yet. Um, so he, you know, he was the fullback for, you know, <coughs> the uh, start of the season, but he also had, um, uh, you know, when, uh, Sam Malcolm 
was pretty much the only fly half on the team. Um, and Sean Windsor was the only other guy that had experience playing fly half. He played fly half for Mac. I think he played fly half for Stony Creek as well. Uh, throughout, you know, he, he's been at Stony Creek for uh, for most of his senior uh, rugby career. Uh, actually, all of it, I believe. Um, and you know, when Malcolm got hurt in that one game against um, in one game against Houston, you know, he was the guy that had to step up and take over with the reins at fly half um, because he was. You know, he's the only guy that really has that fly half experience on the team. That has obviously changed this year with the addition of Taylor Adams and Will Kelly. Um, but, you know, from, from a lot of the time last year, it's like, you know, he he was a very good, solid player um, during that stretch before the ARC ended. Uh, you know, he had uh, and, you know, too, even after the ARC ended, he got into that game, um, that rescheduled game with Austin, where he had where he made one of the, the best plays of the arrow season um in uh you know that little nasty little offload to Leandro Livis that set up you know Livis running halfway down the field and then um trucking over um the Austin defender one of one of the better tries that the arrows scored all year it was started by him um so you know this year you know you're kind of looking at um like I said Taylor Adams um and Will Kelly um are you know at your fly half right now um, which means Sam Malcolm has to shift back. Gaston Mirez is still there. Um, Patrick Parfrey will be returning. So it's like he's, you know, I, he definitely, he's kind of stuck in a bit of a log jam, I think. Um, just, you know, he's, uh, you know, he I, he was a really good player when the ARC was happening and the arrows were limited on options. But I don't know how much playing time he really gets this year. Um, however, that being said, in the event of injuries, more than happy to have Sean Windsor, um, you know, down the depth chart because, um, you know, he I think he's proven that he can play at an MLR level, even if he's not necessarily your first option at his position. I feel like Sean Windsor is just born in a different decade. I feel like if, if you know, he, he was a, a strapping 10 year old or 12 year old right now and 10 years from now. You know, he played for the arrows. It might have been a different, different yeah, time. Like, I mean, you know, from his start of his de- development, you know, he could have uh, been able to get more playing time. But I mean, at the age of, of sorry, it's he's thirty three. Thirty three, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not a whole much more development that you can get out out of Sean. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think that he's an extremely talented and creative. I think creativity is one thing that on the rugby pitch you tend to. Uh, get lost in the noise and I think that to see him not be afraid to make some of those plays um, that Austin game really kind of sh- showed that um, it's is, is always fantastic and he keeps up with with internationally yeah. top players which born is like, December 17th 1986 yeah. so it's, it's listed as his birthday like when well, he's um, Broward might be the only guy that's older than him on the team but what about what about Mitch Richardson because he he Played in a couple of games, but we really didn't get a lot. And then he had a kind of a busy summer. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, he uh, apparently, you know, by all accounts, he like got to work in the off season. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you're asking, um, you know, if you know if the Canadian national team is in the cards and stuff, I mean, yeah, hopefully for for him, I think. Uh, you know, it's uh, you look at uh, the Arrow centers. The Arrow's got some solid centers. They got uh, Detroit Jones, Ben Lesage, 
Dan Moore can play in the centers as well. And you have Mitch Richardson. And I think, you know, he's had that extra time with Pacific Pride. He had, you know, a great offseason. He's looked really good in training as well from what I've seen. And, you know, it's like I think like it'll be interesting to see what happens with the lineup and what they had, um, you know, Winokur and Silverthorne and the rest of the staff decide to do. Um, but he's going to get games this year. And if he gets... If he gets games and then he plays well enough, maybe he takes maybe takes advantage of that that time and can you know work his way into the lineup as a regular. Um, I think Mitch Richardson, Mitch Richardson, and also to you know to go back to Tyler Rowland, it's like these are kind of the guys that I think, you know, are kind of like the first round of players that could probably really benefit from Major League Rugby. Um, we saw it last year with Andrew Quatran, right? You took a guy that had never had a cap put him in Major League Rugby, had an outstanding year, ended up at the World Cup, right? So, you know, if other, you know, I think, I think you, hopefully Richardson can be one of those guys that um, also, you know, follows Quatrin's, you know, footsteps there and, you know, can use MLR as a platform to get to the national team. As I said, the arrows are super deep at center as well. Um, but, you know, part of that depth is because, you know, Mitch Richardson is a very good rugby player. And, um, you know, it's, you know, hopefully, you know, it's like they could, they get honestly, like center was one of the, when I wrote my projection, center is one of the hardest positions to pick just because, you know, there's, it felt like sometimes you're just, you're just trying to split hairs between which guy you want in yeah. there. And, um, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, hopefully Richardson can, you know, find a way to crack the lineup on a more regular basis. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but uh, you know, as far as national team, I mean, honestly, like for him, why not? Like, just get that playing time in. I think it. You know, I think what it comes down to with, with a lot of centers too is, is chemistry. You know, one yeah. of the things that that Spencer Jones and Giuseppe Dutrois last season is they had that chemistry. You know, it it was, and I think that the centers are are, are the one position, or the, the you know the the one pair of in rugby that you need that chemistry so it you're right i think it will be hard and you you made quite a a storm on reddit when you did post your article because people thought that spencer jones was better than uh ben lesage and then you know started making accusations oh. that one season of mlr rugby replaces all of the experience lesage has I mean, with the national team and and you know so a lot of things it, it's going to be very interesting to see how that center uh, pairing matches up, mm-hmm. and and maybe maybe Richardson gets into a game, and he's paired with Lesage, or he's paired with uh, Detroit or um, Dan Moore. I mean, they they've got great chemistry, and it works out. Yeah, like there's there's options. Uh, the arrows have options in the centers. Um, you know, so uh, like we'll, I mean, we'll see what they eventually decide to do, but. Uh, you know, like it's like, yeah, like Lesage is a really good player. Spencer Jones showed last year that he's more than capable of starting in Major League Rugby. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, Detroit. Um, You know what I mean? Like you t- honestly, you took Detroit Jones, and then you added, uh, you know, Richardson got the exposure to the club and played a couple of games last year. You took like that really strong center core that was already there, and then you just added Ben Lesage to it. Like it's like it's it's a deep, it's a deep part of their lineup. Um, one good thing about it is it creates some really healthy competition. The other good thing is you have really good players that might have to sit out a couple games. Yeah. Um, so, and, and again, um, Richardson's got, got quote unquote pedigree. You know, he, he 
has played for the Ontario Blues. He played oh, yeah. in the Canada U-20s in 2016. He, he attended uh, McMaster University, uh, won a bronze medal at the, the Canadian University Championships. Played for Pride you know, earlier this year. Played too. for the Pride. He he's played he played for the Ontario Arrows when they were in the exhibition. Yep. So he's got the pedigree. He's not just a club guy that came up. So he, you know, his his ceiling could be very high. Um, speaking of high ceilings, but hasn't always kind of had the most consistent MLR career. Kainoa Lloyd. Now <laughs> Kainoa Lloyd has been a fixture for Canada at different levels for a few years now and he's someone that i love to watch play i think that he has a high ceiling if he gets the games in um but that wasn't really the 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 reality last year with the arrows you know the, the wings was kind of a position of of strength for them and and kainoa kind of ended up not playing as much now uh-huh. what's going on with him now Derek? because he's not with the arrows anymore yeah i mean he uh Right now, as of right now, he's playing for James Bay um, at West in the BC Premier League. Um, he was part of that team that got absolutely dis- uh, the Crimson Tide team that got absolutely destroyed by the Sea Wolves um, earlier this weekend as well. Um, I mean, you know, it's that's one of those things. It's like you know, um, like you said, you kind of brought it up with Luke Campbell, and it's like I think when we're talking about if we need a second Canadian team or whatever, it's like it'd be nice to just. You know, if we could find ways to get some of these players on American teams, I feel like, you know, I don't think the MLR is necessarily out of the question for Lloyd at this moment. I like, you know, there's uh, you know, he he would be right now. It's like I think he would be a solid injury cover if any team needs it. Um, so you know, hopefully, uh, I don't I don't want that sounded weird. Yeah, it's never good to say hopefully someone gets hurt. That's definitely sounds weird. It's not what I mean by that. But like, you know, um, if there's an opportunity that opens up um, for Canoloid, then you know, hopefully something will come by and hopefully he'll be able to jump on it. But for right now, he's playing for James Bay. And there's there's talks that he is very interested in trying uh, his, his hand at sevens. Uh, you're going to see a lot yeah. of guys do that with the Americans. Uh, Micaiah Esdale. And Mikey Teo were two MLR players that have put their hats in the ring for the Olympics. I mean, the chance to be an Olympian is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, you see Theo Sauter also did that. Andrew Coe uh-huh. uh, are both part of the Sevens program right now. And I honestly believe both of them would be starters in MLR. That's just how yeah. strong they well, are. And there's, there's, You know, there's, there's a lot of guys. It's like when, when you say the Olympics – or whatever, it's like that that attracts a lot of players. Obviously, we already know Theo Souter went there, as you said. Um, you know, even uh, in Japan, too, uh, Kenki uh, Fukuoka, so, uh, you know, he's going to be transferring over from, you know, after the, the Great World Cup that, you know, he had in Japan. Um, you know, he's uh, he's transferring over to the Sevens game, you know, trying to, I guess, go for a gold yeah. medal or on home soil here. And even, uh, you know, Sonny Bill Williams, did he took a, took a year off to uh, get a crack at uh, going to Rio. Um, so last, uh, you know, when that, that Olympics rolled around for the first time. So, um, you know, definitely it's, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I think, you know, a lot of people kind of view like the, the Olympics is like, that's like the peak of athletic competition. It's like the Olympics and then has the highest thing and then any other sports world yeah. cup or whatever. Um, well, and you know what? so and I think is... a lot of players, I think, you know, that's an appealing opportunity for certain guys. And I think the other thing too, is if you manage to get a, a medal at, at an Olympics, 
even just to say you're an Olympian is, is a lifetime achievement, but I'm kind of looking at it from a business perspective. Mm. A medal sets you up for life in, in the athletic world. You know, you can turn that into a strong coaching career, you know, a confidence speaker, you know, like motivational speaker. There's so many ways that you that, can yeah. spin that. So it is something that definitely a lot of players and I kind of Lloyd definitely would be a fantastic sevens player. So it'll be interesting to see if, if he makes that squad. Um, the last question we have is a question that I think the best way to describe is it's interesting. It's a very interesting question. And if anyone mm-hmm. is watching this show is a visa expert and, uh, you know, you know, working visas, please let us know because Derek and I are not well versed in it, but we thought it'd be an interesting discussion to have quickly. Uh, the question was, um, what will MLR do about coaching visa issues for, or uh, what will MLR do about visa issues for players and coaches? Is the problem only happening with Canadian players? And I think the big thing is they're talking about uh, Josh Thiel's visa issues and coaching, trying to obtain working visas again. You just need to look at Seattle and all the visa problems they've had. Yeah, it's 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 definitely not just just Canadian players. Um, you know, obviously, you know, players from various different parts of the world. Um, I don't think the Beast has even uh, really practiced with no, Old the, Glory yet. He arrives uh, the twenty second. He arrives the twenty second. Okay, there you go. Um, so, I mean, like you know, that's something that has to be sorted out too. Um, you know, I think. It's, it's an important thing. I think it goes all the ways. I think it's important to note, though, that, like, professional athletes um, in any sport, in any league that involves Canada and the United States, whether that be Major League Rugby, the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, um, you know, any of the, uh, you know, the AHL, um, you know, all the minor hockey leagues going down, too. Um, like, if, if you think players need visas to go between those countries in order to play, too. Um, so, like, you need you need a visa to be able to you know, John Tavares needs a visa to go play um, the New York Rangers um, or, you know, the Buffalo Sabres or whoever south of the border. Um, so that's, you know, I mean, like that's kind of one of those things. And, uh, you know, there has been issues so far, but, you know, I think the, uh, you know, I think, again, I think this is one of those things where it's like it's a new league and, you know, there's some growing pains. I think visa issues might be part of those growing pains. Um, just, you know, if you look at some of the more established leagues, right, like, you know, when was the last time you heard of an NBA player couldn't go play the Raptors because they had a visa problem or, yeah. you know, or like, you know, guys arriving late to training camp for that. And, you know, I think it's just one of those things that's like as time goes on, it'll get sorted out more. Uh, you know, it's happens. It's, you know, it's been happening. The Wolfpack have been having issues with it, too. Um, they so, you know, it's it's it is I guess it is what it is. I don't know what to do about it, though, because I'm not I don't really know the legalities behind it, but. You know, I don't. So I'm chalking it up to growing pains, just because I don't really know what else, what other advice to offer. If uh, and and again, the the other thing too is like these teams individually are are just guys that have been don't might not have the most business experience. So this is a lot of this is new, and as the league grows, you'll hire executives that understand the process of all this stuff, and it will get better. I mean the. Using the Wolfpack, for example, they just hired a new CFO or CAO or CEO that was part of, uh, you know, MLSC. So you pull in people from other parts for the business side of it and things like this will get better. 
Um, if you want another view on, on why there's problems, on our Twitter, it was asked, and Bill Webb gave a very interesting question uh, answer. We're not going to talk about it because I don't want a tire fire discussion about it. So just look at Bill Webb's answer on, on, on yeah. the tweets. It involves and, a very high-ranking government official that's not from Canada. Not from Canada. This is your teaser. There Rhymes you go. with Forrest Gump, I think. At least the last part of the name. The last part, yeah. yeah. But we're going to jump in now uh, to our, our so preview. Used of... to be in, he used to be in Home Alone, too, I think. He was an actor. He used yeah. to be in Home Alone. Um, we're going to jump into our, our player previews now for... Uh, for the American teams. And again, next week we will be going over the arrows. We will be talking about uh, the business side of it. We'll talk about the, the rosters and, and our expectations for the season. But we're going to start um, with the East, and then we'll kind of go into the West, and then we will finish off with what our expectations are for the season. And then we'll quickly blow through all the teams that don't have any Canadians. And therefore, yes. in our opinion, we'll probably lose. We'll lose every single game. <laughs> yeah. uh, seven, sorry, New York. Yeah, sorry, New York. Rough. Uh, hey, fact: the I, I mean, the MLR champions first year, the team with the most Canadians. Second year, the team with the second most Canadians, but the most Canadians of an American team. So, just throwing it out there: have Canadians we're, on your we're team. We're just good luck charms, you know. Uh, so, seventeen players. That's the number outside of the arrows of Canadian players in MLR. So the first team we're going to talk about is actually an expansion team. And they picked up two interesting uh, players. Um, the first one we're going to talk about is Matt Heaton. So Matt Heaton kind of got thrust into this position, uh, uh, you know, in spotlight a little bit at the World Cup. You know, up and down World Cup, you know, Dropped a pass that would have been a guaranteed try, and then he also scored a try. I, was just, you know, he, I mean, he he was good. Other like he was really good, other than the drop pass. Yeah, it's just the drop pass is the forever highlight. Everyone route. everyone's gonna remember it. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, that's the one that Major League or uh, not Major League Rugby, like World Rugby, put on all their like social media pages with like you know funny sounds of like failure yeah. and things like that on it. So oh, I, I kind of felt bad for him because it's. You know, he, he actually did have a really good World Cup. And, you know, Rugby Canada nominated him for, uh, you know, Player of the player Year, of the too. Year. So, yeah. uh, it's just, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, man, it's just, everybody, everyone's just going to remember the the dropped. But he did score a try. He did make up for it. Yeah, so. he made up for it. I mean, if you, if you go look at, you know, his plus minus. It's yeah, even. Evened out. It's, it's but, even. Um, I mean, plus minus in rugby is not really a thing because you play yeah. the whole game, so. Everybody's exactly. it would just be, be it'd be a disgusting mess. <laughs> but uh, Matt's Matt's twenty six years old, so you know he's kind of in that sweet spot of this is he's coming into the prime of his career. So rugby ATL is getting a very useful player, tackles a lot, ball carrying seems to to improve with with, with his confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what do you think his 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 place is for rugby ATL, Derek? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's uh, one of those things right now where it's like, you know, kind of looking at the way he plays. It's like, I feel like he could definitely, he's going to be contributing to the starting uh, the starting lineup. Um, you know, there are other flankers right now. They, you know, they have uh, Dam Hollis and uh, Henry Ajuda. 
Um, Henry, uh, Frederick Henry Ajuda, a little bit of Canadian connection, used to play in the CFL too. Um, so there is some more Canadian ties just because we're a Canadian podcast. I'm going to point it out every single time we get the chance. Um, also, CFL is better than the NFL. Don't be mad at me. Um, and uh, But, you know, he's he's been kind of looking at, um, for uh, Henry Ajuda, uh, he's been kind of the face of the franchise to start the, the uh, you know, their kind of campaign here. He was the guy that went to Vegas for, you know, the Jersey Unreal photo shoot, um, things like that. So uh, he's, you know, he's been at the front of some of their marketing initiatives. So I feel like based on that, you know, they probably have high hopes for him. He's probably going to be starting too. Um, the, the other uh, two, um, the other two uh, flankers for them, um, Dom kind of had, you know, he played, he was on uh, Glendale last, uh, Glendale, Colorado, which Glendale, Glendale last year, because we're talking about last year, mm-hmm. so we can call them Glendale still. You have to have a jar every time that we call Colorado, we call Glendale. Glendale, we have to like. Yeah, so, uh, but either way, uh, but anyways, Jason Dam, um, he played for Glendale, Glendale, which is now known as Colorado um, last year, but he didn't have a whole lot of playing time. He played at, I believe it was about 79-ish minutes over the course of three games. Um, so, you know, obviously that's part of being an expansion team, right? You kind of go to the old team, uh, to the existing teams, find some underutilized guys, bring them over to your team. Um, so we'll kind of see sort of like what, where he ends up, um, Paris Hollis as well. You know, he's one of those guys too, from life university played for 404. So obviously some familiarity with the uh, Atlanta coaches there. Um, but I think, you know, kind of looking at the pedigree that Heaton kind of has built up, it's uh, I would be sort of like they're all kind of around the same age, except Dan, uh, Jason Dam's two years younger. Um, everybody else, there's uh, 91s, 93s. So there's not, um, but, you know, Heaton also has the most caps out of anybody on there. So it's like, I kind of feel like, you know, he might be, you know, he, sh- he should be able to find his way into the starting lineup under those circumstances. And, uh, you know, hopefully he can make a bit of a name for himself as, you know, part of a, a strong um, Atlanta squad that genuinely looks like they're the best of the expansion teams um, and could probably, you know, maybe push, I'm going to say, NOLA for that third playoff spot in the right. Eastern Conference. And the other guy on this team is someone that I find very interesting. I think that uh-huh. he's got a bright future. Um, and a very Connor, interesting situation here. Yeah, Connor Keys. So mm-hmm. he's 23 years old. Mm-hmm. He he came from overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was pl- uh, playing uh, with uh, the uh, Rother Ham Titans. So I think that this is a great spot for him. I think that Connor uh, can do well playing in North America under the eyes of uh, the national uh, program. Uh, playing time is going to be interesting for him. I saw that he last week, weekend he did get some time, not as a starter, but he did play a little bit. Derek, mm-hmm. I see him as one of the guys that, that Canada needs to invest a little bit of time into because I think that he can be a, a starting lock for Canada in the next few years, and especially at his age, he's definitely going to be involved in the next World Cup. So what do you see with Connor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Connor Keys, I, I kind of agree with you, man. I think he's, uh, you know, he's one of the better locks that Canada has at the moment. Um, especially, and, you know, outside, you know, we only really have, um, we don't have a whole lot of locks in MLR outside of him and Josh, well, him, Josh Larson, Kyle Bailey. 
um, and then all the arrows locks. Um, but, uh, you know, so, you know, there's, it's nice to see, you know, that position, like we said, we talked about the type five, uh, if it's going to get better, having these, having locks playing in major league rugby is definitely going to help. The one thing though, with, uh, Connor keys, which is maybe a little bit kind of concerning, like you said, he didn't then necessarily start, um, the other locks on, um, Rugby ATL are seemingly pretty good. Um, they, um, you know, there's some, uh, they're all South African. Um, there's Curry Cup experience. There's Super Rugby experience mixed in there. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it could be, we'll see what those guys bring to the table, but it's, uh, you know, it could be, it could be hard for him to be, uh, you know, into making the starting 15 regularly. I think, you know, obviously, hopefully he gets a ton of playing time. But, you know, it's always interesting to see, you know, when uh, guys that have that super rugby um, background and stuff that that do come to, uh, you know, that do come to uh, Major League Rugby to see what they can what they can bring. Um, so uh, they don't have necessarily a lot of experiences, but they don't they've been they've been locked into, uh, you know, a super high level of rugby for a while. Uh, most of it's with the Curry Cup. Their uh, actual Super Rugby experiences are kind of, or appearances are few in numbers. But you know, it's uh, the one of the best competitions in the world. So if you're good enough to play just a few games in there, you're pretty good at rugby. So um, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what uh, Atlanta what Atlanta ends up doing um, at that position, and uh, you know how much playing time Keys actually gets behind or with these guys in the lineup as well. So the next team we're going to talk about is uh is nola gold so nola actually lost a canadian hubert biden's he hasn't officially come out and said i'm done playing rugby uh but he has taken a, a coaching, coaching job at uh, trinity western um, that's hey that's that like that's that's great though like that's another thing we need we need to be developing canadian coaches and exactly. stuff too so you yeah. know the more players the more players like him bark will you know that are that are retiring and going immediately into coaching. Cudmore now coaching a uh, Pacific Pride too. Um, like we we really need that. So it's you know if he's not going to play rugby, that's great to see that he's sticking around. If he's not going to actually play, it's great to see that he's sticking around the game in the coaching capacity. Exactly. Um, but we still have two uh, mainstays uh, from the World Cup and the World Cup preparations on Nola. Uh, Eric Howard last year had a great MLR mm-hmm. season. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, he he took the reins after Ray Barkwell retired and was named the uh, the you know the starting uh, hooker. I think that t- he had a, a pretty impressive um, run beforehand. I mean, the World Cup was the World Cup, um, but he's age twenty six. Um, I think that he's still got a few good years of rugby left in him for sure. I mean, twenty six is I'm twenty six right now, and you know. It's hard to believe yeah, that I'm in the you, you suck at my though. career athletically. Um, well, I mean, you're well past that. I don't think. Uh, oh, no. I feel like you're, you're well past the actual. That ship sailed. You're nowhere near as good as Eric Howard at rugby. No. He, used not, to, like, not... he was, a, he was a, a farmhand. Like, the guy's just got, like, cement hands and iron legs. But, like, it, we don't think, I don't think we need to talk about his, his spot with, with Nola. I think that's. That's set for Dude, for Eric. He was, he was the captain last year for. Yeah. I think they I think they may have officially given it to Elof this year. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, like he's, 
you know, there's uh, we we can kind of there's a few guys that we're, we'll deeply discuss. You know how much, you know what, like where they actually fit into the lineup. But uh, Eric Howard's one of the easier ones. I think he's gonna, yeah. you know, he's gonna return. He's gonna be that starting hooker again. Um, and and with, and with same Rugby same Canada, with Cal Bailey. Cal yeah. Bailey will start at lock for these guys too. Yeah, and with with Eric too, like the national team, he's gonna be the the hooker for the foreseeable future as well. I mean now, especially oh. with the, the change of the ARC and timing, it's, he's gonna be he's yeah, gonna be him for a few years, and then when they feel Andrew Quatrin's ready, he's gonna take the reins and and, and go with I, it. I think I think looking at looking at what we saw at the World Cup, I think like I think Quatrin's already already there and like with him. Um, so it'll yeah. be interesting. This is like both of them were better than Piffero, um, for sure, Oof. and um, yeah. but. Uh, but I think I think right now, like we're like as a national team, we're going to be rolling Quatra and Howard um, for a while, and then you know it'll be between it'll be between the two of them to uh, settle Figure like you know, who, who gets to wear that two jersey, um, and, and who gets to come off the bench. But uh, that looks like that kind of looks to be what we're dealing with right now. So, but yeah, Howard starts for Nola. Um, you know he'll continue to be one of the better hookers in Major League Rugby as well. And Kyle Bailey. You know what? What? What do we need to say about him? You know, when he's healthy, he is a monster. You know, he's a pest at the breakdowns. He is a strong ball carrier. You mm-hmm. know, for the national team and for Nola, he is a voice of leadership um, mm-hmm. at the lineout position. I mean, you just need to look at how Canada's lineout went when Kyle wasn't there. Um, my biggest worry, Derek, is he has been getting hurt quite a good amount and you know those miles start to lean on the body so the way i see it i, I see it is his days as as a national player i mean he's definitely be busy with canada for the the qualifying but I, i'd be interested to see if he actually makes it to the world cup just because of the wear and tear that his body has taken yeah i mean like, I, don't, I don't see why he can't if he doesn't want to right now because i mean in, injuries are always a tough thing to predict right so um you know it's one of those where you can kind of go back and forth i mean he is he's about 28 years old so he's not like 28's not really um you know the time to or no 28 it's not really the time to hang them up uh you know what i mean like i don't think you're you know he's necessarily at that point um like you said he did uh you know he did get injured recently um you know, hopefully uh, it doesn't hold up. It'll be something that every team in Major League Rugby has to deal with. All it's uh, you know, it's going to be the 16 game season. You only get one bye week now. Um, yeah. Depth, depth is going to be a major factor in who lifts that shield at the end of the year. Um, so, and uh, depth, depth and fitness. Uh, you know, you got to be able to, you know, you have to keep your players healthy, and you have to have, you know, in in the event that there is, you know, major injuries, um, then like you know what I mean. You got to have somebody ready to go to. You know, come into the lineup behind them as well. Um, so I think like those will be two major factors going into this season. Having three bye weeks, you know, guys, you saw a little bit of rest time and stuff, but that's gone now. And you know, you know, some get some teams have bye weeks a lot earlier in the season than others. Yeah. Um, some teams have them right in the middle. Some teams have them a little late. So um, it'll be interesting to ultimately see what happens with the with the bye week. But you know, it's something that every team's going to have to deal with and. Um, you know, I think uh, Bailey would be Bailey would just be 32 the next time the World Cup runs around. So I feel like if he if he's healthy, and you know if he's healthy and he can stay one of the you know 
the top locks in the country. I don't see why he couldn't be at the World Cup. And we will see. I think that's, you know, I, I'm taking it, you know, I'm very pessimistic. Those injuries worried me, but, you know, I, I did also see him play in the exhibition game against Rugby ETL, and he was that yep. ugly, ugly pest that, that I hated watching whenever the NOLA played Toronto. So um, it's good to see that he's kind of back to his old old habits. Um, the next next team actually uh, has a good little amount of... Uh, of uh, Canadians, especially in in the center positions, uh, old glory, uh, and the first guy is the oldest guy on this list, and it's uh, Kieran Hearn. Mm-hmm. You know, he might have a, a few years left to provide to the national team, uh, but what do you think that he can offer to old glory, that uh, Derek? Yeah, I mean, for both, uh, you know, uh, bringing up old glory here, uh, they got. I mean, they, they really, as far as at least the positions that guys typically play and what you list them as, they have three centers. Um, so they got they, uh, Doug Frazier, Canadian. Kieran Hearn, also Canadian. Threaten Palamu, really cool name, but also but not Canadian. Um, and, uh, you know, so, it, like, realistically, you know, what, one of, at least one of them, if, you know, Palamu, uh, sorry, I'm pronouncing his name wrong. Palomo uh, is a really he's a um, really good he's a really good player in his own right and uh, you know so he's definitely going to be you know he'll he'll probably be kind of looked at to be uh, one of you know their uh, the big guys um, in the backs for uh, old glory um, again and you know it's another player too that he he was the guy that they chose to go do the um, like the captain's photo shoot. Um, to unveil the jerseys, do a little bit of the Vegas weekend promo. So I feel like they're expecting some big things out of him. He's got 19 caps for the Eagles. Um, so, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe it, it might end up being a little bit of a battle of, uh, you know, if he's if he's going to be one of the centers, it might end up being a little bit of a battle between Frazier and Hearn um, for, uh, you know, the, who uh, starts alongside him. And it will be interesting. One of those guys pushing for one of those spots is Doug Fraser. You know, Doug was someone that uh, everyone kind of talked about for a few years. Uh, and then, again, the injury bug kind of hit him. And uh-huh. he never really was able to keep a full healthy season and, and get a lot of games in. And, you know, when he played for Austin, he looked dangerous. He's a hard runner and, you know, plays well. At the age of 27, you know, he's in the prime of his career right now. So he's got to make a big impact with old glory and, and do you think that he has that opportunity yeah i think uh, like i said i think why not i think you know that's one of the, definitely you know i don't i think looking at their 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 um their roster they got a handful of wingers um they have they have like i mean there's certain positions where they seem a little thin um in the backs i think old glory is kind of an interesting team i feel like they um they're, they're maybe, you know, we talked about depth being a really, you know, key thing to uh, that might help you uh, along the way here in this MLR season. But um, they, you know, they kind of look like, you know, they are really top heavy team. And then there's certain positions that they're a little bit lighter on center fullback um, kind of stick out a little bit. Um, if DTS gets hurt, um, you're kind of, you know, I'm not sure what the complete game plan is for them. Um, but I think, uh, but I think it's the same thing. I think Frazier, Frazier definitely has a chance to be a consistent starter on this team. Um, so does Hearn. Um, like I said, Palomo's probably, uh, probably locked in there. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll 
yeah, I, I think I don't see why they couldn't. Um, it's just you know, th- I think those are two guys that are maybe kind of better. And like you said, it's you know they both we go back to what we said. It's like you know the the arrows are pretty deep at center, so you play center. Um, maybe if you can't get that, you know, so you can go find a team though that doesn't have a whole lot of centers, and you know just and uh, actually you know be like, hey guys, you can use somebody of my skill set. Um, and then end up, uh, you know, end up playing for, you know, one of the American teams again, right? It's exactly, you know, they have, they so they got two Canadians playing at a position that they definitely need uh, two Canadians playing at. So I'd expect both of them to really get, get quite a bit of playing time going forward. The last guy from Old Glory is mm-hmm. the eldest Larson Travis a flanker, age 28. Mm-hmm. Uh his season last year was interesting because he played uh, played for um, the Elite. You know, then there's that weird situation where he's called up for the three games in the uh, ARC, but then didn't play. Mm-hmm. It was a very strange situation for Travis, but uh, he's looking to kind of reopen the eyes of the selectors for the national team. So I think he'll have a very interesting year. I, I Personally, don't know what Old Glory's flanker situation is. Uh, Derek, can you hey. enlighten me a little bit? Yeah, well, they uh, they got Matt Houston, um, so that's a that's a big signing and stuff too. Um, they're eight men. Uh, they're eight men as well, which um, would be a Jameson, Fanana, Schultz. Um, so there's another. Um, yeah, there's another uh, big big name there too. Um, their flanker situation is that they have a lot of them. Um, there is based on their roster one, two, three, four, five, six of them plus uh, Travis Larson. So, um, there is you know there's some um there's some, there's some competition that can definitely um that can definitely be there. Um, so I mean, you know that's you know like I said, Matt Houston is probably going to be. They have um uh, Nick Mirashem, which I don't really know a whole lot about to be honest with you but he's uh you know from spain played for the spanish u18 team um so uh that's an interesting one as well we got some you know uh sevens scotland sevens players coming in as well um so yeah like i need um yeah so like i said it's like some some of these guys that do need to maybe look up a little bit more but yeah it's like they have a lot of flankers matt houston's one of them um fanana uh, Fernando Schultz plays in the back in the uh, eight man spot, so they they definitely have options for uh, flanker and eight man in the back mm-hmm. row here. Uh, and then the the last team from the East uh, is uh, the New England Free Jacks, and they have Josh Larson, uh, twenty five years old, was part of Canada's World Cup roster, uh, mm-hmm. infamous for his red card, and then uh, sincere apology to the Springboks. I think he's also in kind of in the same boat as Connor Keyes. You know, he's got a real chance now to start developing as a player. Uh, he played lots for for the the elite, and uh, I think he got better as a player as we wa- as we watched him. Um, so I think that he's got a real chance in New England mm-hmm. uh, to kind of try and grow as a player and and really show Rugby Canada, hey, like I'm here, I can and can help steer the the boat a little bit do you do you agree with me Derek or do you think that I'm kind of overselling Larson no I think like you said it's like I think uh you know these guys are going to start to be the uh you know the next uh like yeah like they have to be like the next wave of uh, guys playing for the Canadian national team um 
So, you know, Larson's kind of in a bit of a similar-ish boat. Um, there's his brother there. Um, Locke is Locke's a pretty decent position for the uh, the Free Jacks. Um, you know, they got uh, McCusker's U20 Ulster. Ken Reagan's played uh, U18 Ireland. Um, Thebes, you know, he played... Uh, you know, he played a lot of the Kara Cup games for the Free Jacks last year when they were doing the trial season. So, you know, he's an established player with the club at the very least. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, he's probably might have some work to do in order to, uh, but, you know, he's definitely one of those guys that I'm like, I'm really looking forward to hopefully, you know, seeing start in Major League Rugby on a regular basis. Um, I think, you know, kind of looking at it right now, be like, you know, him, Shepard, Cialini, um, Bailey, like that's kind of, you know, obviously Olmstead overseas. Tyler Ardron can play Locke as well, but I think we'd all rather have Ardron play an eight-man because he's unreal at that position too. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the Chiefs like him at Locke. Um, but I think that's kind of uh, what – I mean, that's kind of what we have to do here. And uh, so hopefully, you know, from the MLR Canadian Locks, you know, it's like it'd be nice to see, you know, a handful of them um, getting some genuine starting time, which looks like it'll be a you know possibility for this season. And that just – you know, like you said, is our uh, like we talked about earlier, is our tight five getting better? Yeah, because all these guys are, you know, they're playing a lot more now. So, um, you know, it's only going up. We're now going to move to the West, and we're we're going to start with the big ones, uh, the Seattle Sea Wolves. Uh, they are the largest Canadian contingent still outside of uh, the Arrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the other team that lost a Canadian. Um, Phil Mack, the legend, has finally decided to not officially hang up his boots, but at least from MLR, he is taking a step back and he's going to be taking a coaching role, which, again, we've, we we said before, is great. We need more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we need more of those opportunities. Um, so Seattle's got a couple guys, and, and we're going to lo- rope two of them together. Uh, the Justice Sears Duru and Jake and Nicky, uh, One's 25, one's 27. They're in the prime of their careers. Uh, they're both kind of in a similar situation as in they're just stuck between two good props. And, you know, they're coming off the bench uh, a lot for Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. Derek, is there really much more to say about these guys? I mean, uh, Sears Duro, I'm, I'm, I love watching. You know, he's only going to get better, uh, in my opinion. Um, really, these guys are just. We know what they are. They're found commodity. They're they're reliable props that, yeah. if 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 they develop just a little bit more, could be starting props. Um, I think that that Huber Biden's kind of held that loose head position for years, and I think this is now Sears Duru's time to say that's my spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If he wants it, it's definitely up for grabs, especially for the uh, the national team here. Um, like you said, it's like you know sometimes you know Illiniki and Sears Duru, they, you know, there's there's some good props on Seattle and in, uh, in Gordon and Metcher. Um, so it's um, you know it's it's you know it'll it'll be interesting to see what they end up doing. I mean, like even even uh, you know un- with Biden's there though. I mean, like Sears Duru has kind of made a career out of being that impact sub. Impact sub. Yeah, a guy that comes in, you know, 20, 25 minutes left and, you know, his full, of en- full of energy. And then, you know, yeah, he exactly, <laughs> throws his weight around. Um, uh, so, you know, can bring that, you know, that big uh, last minute or that, like, you know, last quarter surge to your team. Um, so, I mean, if he continues to do that and, you know, if, uh, you know, 
other loose heads and stuff, you know, maybe that's that's a way Seattle views to uh, to use him because um, it's something that he is really good at. And if you're, you know, so um, hopefully, you know, if he st- if they stick with that, you know, that doesn't bother me. Um, same with like, you know, Ilnicki. Uh, um, it's uh, you know, it's definitely you know, it's good to see. We need to be developing guys. These are such key positions. Um, Tim Metcher though is obviously a very good uh, tight head prop. Um, so, you know, like you said, it's one of those things where, you know, Seattle is pretty deep and it has a really solid front row and, you know, maybe they end up uh, coming off the bench more often than they start. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not really, I don't know if it's not necessarily a bad situation because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be playing every game. So, um, you know, that's, that's the kind of the positive that you definitely have to take out of that. And also, it you know, it allows, especially for Sears Dewar, I think, I think that almost suits his style of play a little bit better yeah. too. And then packs up. Um, so one guy that had a really, really strong season last year and a lot of people felt was snubbed by the World Cup roster selection was Nikai Penny. Yep. 23 years old, you know, was named an MLR All-Star a few weeks. Uh, what what's what what's his what do you want to see out of Nakai? Th- th- this he was season? he was on the All Star team at the end of the year too. Yeah, not even just a few weeks. Um, I what I want to see out of him is just build off of that. Um, you know, a part part of part of the reason you know that he got so much playing time last year was because Villy was hurt um, for most of the season. Um, you know, he's he's gonna be obviously you know he he returned and had a great game against the Arrows in the in the, uh, you know, semifinal there. But, um, you know, it's uh, so, you know, he might have to contend with him a little bit. Uh, they also brought in Juan Manuel uh, Leguzaman um, from the Pumas. Um, so it's, you know, the, the flanker spot's a little bit more competitive. I think uh, Leguzaman knows, uh, you know, he's he's up there in age for sure. Um, so it'll, you know, he could, I still kind of would be looking for Nakai Penny to, you know, be one of those, those, you know, go-to locks maybe with, uh, or go-to flankers, excuse me, uh, maybe with Villy, you know, in the starting lineup, uh, week in, week out. I mean, they'll have, they'll have them and, uh, Reichert Hatting, um, you know, at eight too. So, I mean, that's a, it's a solid back row they got in, uh, Seattle as well. Scary. Um, another young guy. And I, every time I see him play, I forget that he's 22 years old. Mm-hmm. George Barton, the, the ginger battering ram, the, yeah. He is just such a, a fun guy to watch, and I, and you know every now and then I have to look at his jersey and say, what's that prop doing in the midfield? Like he's a big boy, and he's someone that I think that the, the national team has been lacking. You know, you look at you look at the guys that were playing center at the World Cup, Trainer, the Sage, Blevins had a similar style, but he's still not as big as Barton, and and Heron, you know. Barton's got one scale, and it's I'm going to run through you, and it's going to hurt. And I think that uh, I I'm excited to see where he where his development goes because I think that next World Cup he could be a, a big part of the in midfield for Canada. Yeah, I mean I I hope I mean there's a lot of people that were hoping he'd be a big part of the midfield for Canada this World Cup too, but. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, he was his him being off the team is probably the most talked about omission. Um, you know, so um, it yeah, like I like again, man, that's just another guy. It's like I thought he had a great year last year. I just want to see them keep building off of it. 
um, you know, and then uh, you know when we get to the ARC at the end of the at the end of the MLR season, you know, hopefully, you know, he's one of those guys that can uh, definitely be putting his hand up for selection again. And you know, uh, you know, for Barton, you know, again, it's kind of an easy one, like as far as what you want to see out of him, I just want to see more of the same that he keeps going, um, you know, keeps improving year after year. I hope all the players keep improving year after year, but you know, Barton's already in a solid uh, top center in major league rugby and, you know, just, just keep going. I've already booked marked the date for the uh, Rooney versus Seattle, because I can't wait until Bastaro and Barton meet in the midfield, or at least I hope they're playing uh, because that impact is going to be seismic. <laughs> and it is going to hey man he's got, he's got he's got nanu in his conference too so nanu you know, too yeah that's yeah but that's, it's just the girth of these two guys yeah the, the 15th of march i'm going to be watching that game very interestingly yeah, i'm probably gonna watch every game but yeah no i'm looking forward to that too uh the next guy his his future I'm, I'm talking speakly from a rugby Canada perspective. Jeff Hassler, you know, he's 28 years old, and it's weird to think that he's 28 because it just feels like he's just been around forever. Mm-hmm. If I'm Rugby Canada, I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on him and, and giving him fruit baskets every week because with, with uh, DTH retiring, really he is going to be their 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 best winger for the next foreseeable future yeah, until yeah. until other guys start developing a little bit more, you know, start showing their talent because he's such a strong ball carrier and he's so much fun to watch. And he was named one of the World Cup's most handsome players. And I want to just make sure that we need to be on operation keep Jeff Hassler happy with rugby because I want him to keep playing. I want him to be part of the next World Cup team. And I'm just nervous that he's going to lose the love again. So all you Seattle fans, you have one job. It's keep Jeff Hassler happy. Yeah, I mean, like, like yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully, yeah, I mean, you know, he had his little hiatus uh, there. But, you know, like you said, that's one of those guys, too. Um, he's an elite winger in Major League Rugby. So, uh, you know, he's definitely definitely going to be a guy that can, uh, Canada definitely needs him. Um, so, you know, hopefully, like you said, I you know what's. Um, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's like we need our best players playing professionally, and uh, you know, so that's what Hassler falls under right now. And uh, you know, again, he should have a he should have a big impact for um, Seattle all year. And the, and the last guy from Seattle is Brock Stoller, and he mm-hmm. he's age twenty seven, and again, he's leading scorer, leading scorer last season. Um, I think that with DGH leaving and with co and and solder busy with rugby sevens i think this is the year where where brock slaughter can say i'm still here i can be someone that can make an impact uh for you rugby canada let me prove it to you because it's funny only a few years ago and it seems to be when right up to the repressage is Every ad for Rugby Canada or promo for Rugby Canada had a Brock Stoller picture mm-hmm. in it. You know, he was part of their 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 plan for the future. And then the repishage happened. I don't know, maybe if it was Taylor Paris or Hassler just appearing out of nowhere, but like they kind of just pushed 
Stoller into yeah. a corner and said, "Ah, eh, we'll throw a blanket over you." Yeah, I mean, that was you know, uh, he was one of those guys that was definitely talked about when uh, you know some the uh, Canadian rosters came out for uh, you know pre World Cup, and uh, you know he wasn't there even for the you know not even the final roster, but like the initial roster that had to get cut down um, to get to the final roster. You know, in you know, that kind of left a lot of people kind of scratching their heads. But I, I think you kind of talked about it, though, when you were saying, like, you know, with some of these some of these guys, co-DTH, um, like, all, like, either retiring, maybe going to sevens and stuff, that it's like, I don't, like, I don't even know, like, I don't, like, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, it feels like he should have definitely got a chance, chance to make the Canadian team, but... I'm still not entirely convinced that if he got that chance, he would have ultimately made the team. Although right. I still don't understand why he didn't get the chance to begin with. Um, but even that, man, there's there's you know there's a lot of t- really talented uh, talented Canadian wingers, um, you know, in in this league too. Uh, you know, obviously, most notably Dan Moore. Uh, it's going to be another guy uh, that um, you know is definitely get me started. Don't you're getting me all riled up about <laughs> Dan Moore. I've had my many meltdowns on this podcast about how Dan Moore did not get a good enough shot. Yeah. Don't get uh, me started. You know, so, I mean, yeah, but that's, you know what, though, but that's another guy that gets in the way of Staller making it uh, on the national team, right? So, um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, t- we'll talk about, we'll talk about some Dan Moore next week um, when we preview everything Toronto Arrows. We will. Um, but um, yeah, but, uh, you know, Staller, like I said, I expect Staller to play the exact same role that he played last year. It's going to be, you know, starting winger. He'll be their kicker. Um, he's, you know, as long as they, they'll probably, he'll probably score a lot of tries. He'll probably kick plenty of conversions and penalties. Um, and will probably be somewhere near the top of the league scoring again, depending okay. on, you know, depending on what, you know, it's good, probably going to be around the same amount of guys. See how many, uh, you know, uh, you know, Sam Malcolm, uh, Sam Windsor, um, like you know, the we know Houston kind of roll up. I mean, we're not really talking about Houston because they don't have a Canadian player, but it's like we all kind of know that they kind of, you know, they seem to be kind of heavily reliant on Sam Windsor's boot last year. Although that did change during their four-game winning streak at the end of the season, so maybe they'll get away from that a lot more um, this year. But um, but yeah, so it's like I would expect them to be near the top of the league in uh, scoring and stuff again because you know Seattle, Seattle's still one of the better teams in the uh, Eastern in the Western Conference, and uh, you know they're going to score a lot. So if they're scoring a lot, Brock Stoller's going to be kicking a lot of conversions. So and he usually makes them too. Uh, and now we're going to go into some some teams that just have one player. So we'll move through them quickly. Josh Thiel, we kind of mm-hmm. talked to him at the beginning of this. Uh, Pacific Pride player, Canada U20 player, actually was paired with George Barton during their 2016 U20 time. So, uh, again, I don't think he's going to be getting a whole lot of time in San Diego. He's just going to be uh, injury kind of cover. But mm-hmm. what, an, what, an, what a chance to play. Yeah. To, what a place to be with Nanu there and Duplessis. And, and yeah. so many other strong players uh, that he, he can learn from and bring that experience and, and grow as a player. So, you know, sometimes when these young players go to teams, it's not always about playing time as well. It's also about those experiences. Yeah. And uh, like you said, I mean, hopefully he gets his visa sorted out, um, you know, and can get down to down to the squad soon. But, yeah, um, you know, honestly, looking at this San Diego team, um, I don't I don't. Like they're they're 
pro- well, I mean, are they the best team in the Western Conference? <sighs> I think so. Yeah, like, I think that they're probably the best. You know, like that's uh, and you know, and a big part of that is probably like they're they're deep at some big positions too. Um, you know what I mean? So you have uh, you know, look just I mean, look at the centers, man. Dylan Odsley, JP Duplessis, Ma Nanu, uh, you know, f- you know, you got Joe Peterson playing fullback or fly half. Um, you know, they brought in uh, Luke Burton too. Uh, and, uh, you know, Luke Burton's, you know, he's a bunch of games at Western Force. You know, when that team folded, he went to uh, Barry's Olympic in, um, in France. Um, so, I mean, like he's, you know, that is a quality fly half. And Peterson was arguably the best fly half in the league last year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they brought in a guy that allows them to shift Peterson to fullback. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's like you know, Mikey Tao is gonna, I guess, leave to go play sevens, and it's like I don't even think they're worried about that. Um, well, so that's part time. So he he still yeah. is considered. A, he still will be with the Legion, but yeah, mm-hmm. to to yeah, have exactly. him even not worry about it as much to give him that ability to go, it definitely go. Yeah, exactly. volumes their depth. But you know, that's that's the thing I think uh, where you know it's Josh Steele kind of runs into that is that on a like you know weird like it's good but it's also maybe not completely ideal but it's like those are the positions that he plays right so um you know he plays you know he plays fly half he plays center um so i mean you know you got burton like you said you got peterson although peterson's gonna be a fullback um so i mean like i said it's like as you kind of look at it right now it's like he might be the like depending on how they view peterson or if tails there um, the second to third choice fly half though, so that's not too bad. But like, as far as centers go, he might be a little bit down the depth chart. Like I said, yeah. oddsly duplessis, um, Nanu Wardlaw. Um, it's uh, you know there's 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 definitely um, some guys that um, you know kind of you know definitely definitely are extremely talented players um, that could make it difficult for him to get playing time, but. You know, like we said, man, it's going to be one of those things where it's like hopefully you learn a lot, and you like you know it's it's a long season. You never know what could happen. Um, there's suspensions, there's injuries, um, there's various other reasons why guys can't make or can't play in a game. Um, so you know, it's like if uh, one of those opportunities comes up, um, you know, he just has to kind of take advantage of that, um, and you know, do his best to stay in the lineup as long as possible. But you know, it's like. It's just, uh, you know, it's a deep team, but uh, being on a deep team is not necessarily a bad thing. That's, yeah. I, I, again, I, I can't reiterate how, how lucky he is and what he's going to learn from. One of the other guys uh, from the Utah Warriors is Robbie uh, Povey. We talked about him earlier, 23. I'm really interested to see what he, he can accomplish, so we're not really going to talk about him a whole lot because we already mentioned him earlier. The last guy is a very interesting um, rugby player, uh, Mo Abdelmanum, from the Austin Herd. Uh, He's 27 years old, and and I I said this to Derek before the podcast was started, is I thought that he was younger, and I don't know why I thought that, um, but I think that he has, you know, his, his odds are kind of stacked against him in terms of, positions with the national team um you know heaton and rumble and bailey depending on where you want to play him 
you know, they all kind of have those spots kind of locked down. But I think that if he has a strong couple years with with Austin and continues to be the 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 pest at the breakdown and 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 his strong tackling, he's got a real chance to impress some people. Derek, am I far off on this, or what do you think about it? No, man. I, I you know, it's uh, obviously, you know, it's an interesting situation down in Austin. Obviously, they had a super disappointing season last year, um, and you know, but uh, you know, Mo, Mo came in, and uh, you know, he he did make a big difference on that team um, even last year. I mean, obviously, they, you know, they didn't get and they didn't get any results go their way, but you know, when when he came in, he started generating a lot of turnovers, penalties at the breakdown. Um, which was something that really was not happening for Austin at all um, before he arrived. Um, you know, looking at uh, what um, Abdel Monaman's got to kind of work with as far as flanker, it's like he, he's, I think, you know, he's in a good position to be like, you know, a go-to flanker on this team. Um, I mean, if you kind of look at the rest of the roster a little bit, they got a, uh, you know, Dan, Dan Falifa, um, the, Tong, uh, the Tongan, he's, uh, you know, 22 caps for them. Um, but he, uh, you know, he can play either flanker or lock. So we'll uh, see what they do with him. But, um, um, you know, so that's a little bit. Michael Del Wall um, from Lindenwood Sevens is there too. Um, you know, and then um, the foot, they got a Fijian, you know, um, Senutoga. Um, that's, you know, so there's not, you, you know, it's uh, it's definitely, they're definitely players that he can contend with for starting time and get those starts, yeah. especially if he, uh, you know, if he plays as well as genuinely, if he plays as well as he did last year, I don't see why. Um, I think Austin, you know, they're definitely as a whole. Um, I mean, they they can only go up from here. It's not like you can yeah. get like right, but um, uh, they're probably looking at another season where they they struggle. Um, as you know, I don't think I really don't think that they could possibly go in sixteen again. I think they'll they'll probably come away with one or two. Um, maybe more, maybe a couple more, but like they're, they'll probably end up the, the Western conference, you know, is tough. Is, is tough. Um, it's tough, but it's like, you know, it'll probably be, um, San Diego, Seattle. Then you'll be kind of left with, uh, you know, Colorado, Utah, Houston to fight for the, uh, the third playoff spot. And then Austin will probably be, um, bringing up the rear again. But, you know, I think, you know, it's a good a good opportunity for him. Still, um, you know, it's like even uh, even on bad bad teams, it's like you need you need guys to be able to you know someone's got to score tries for them, someone's got to earn turnovers, somebody's got to you know um, somebody's got to earn turnovers, somebody's got to you know get the ball in hand, create some offense. Um, it's got to come down to somebody. Um, so, you know, I think uh, you know it's a good uh, it's a I like it's uh, you know a situation where you know hopefully he can. Uh, you know, hopefully he can run a, uh, run away with it and thrive. Um, you know, uh, definitely, definitely just stick to the guns of what made him look really good last year, which was you know get to the breakdown, get over the ball, and uh, you know generate some uh, some positive plays for Austin. And again, I, I will very much like to see how how his season moves on. Um, well, that's actually that's that's all the the Canadian players that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are currently with MLR, you know, there are some, uh, you know, guys, especially from the World Cup roster. I mean, there's a few teams that Nick Blevins could move into, Dustin Dabrowski. I mean, Gordon McRory's near the end of his his career, so I don't think that he's someone that people will be watching on. But uh, next week we will be talking about uh, the Toronto Arrows and kind of going a little bit more into depth about 
what our expectations are, what their season could look like. Mm-hmm. And then also kind of I think one of the big things is is talk about what they've done leading up to the season because it's so different than what happened last year. I mean, last year they had like a two-month, three-month period before their season started mm-hmm. to plan. So very much looking forward to that. Uh, if you want to get more information about our podcast, we are on Twitter at Lelouge Rugby. Uh, it has a link to all of our previous podcasts. And if you want to uh, reach out to us, we're both on Twitter. Uh, our, our handles are in the bio for the podcast. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, have a great week. You know, Next week, we'll be getting right back at it.